and welcome to A Break From The Grind. I'm your host, Jason, and with me, as always, is my co-host, George. George, say hi to the people. You're getting rusty at that. Like, no, that I just... Was- I did it different. You didn't do it different. It. You forgot it's, the line. No, no, no. It's, 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 no, no, no. Listen, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's always, uh, uh, welcome to a break from the grind. I'm your host, Jason. And, uh, and yeah, maybe I am just rusty. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been like two months. It it's been, been a minute. No. So I've got to say the last time we did a show was with Michael Hoff and Anthony Servino. And, and, um, so that was our last show and that was before the Hayden Hurst mental health potathon. That was a giant success. Uh, they went a thousand dollars over their goal. And, uh, so congratulations to those guys. Um, I'm taking the credit for all that. That was, that was us. We are, we are for sure the reason they, they went, their goal was 5,000. You know, we challenged them. We, we, we got them to 6,000. Uh, I've already laid the SmackDown for next year. Uh, I've already told them that that ten thousand is their goal, and they have said we will accept your challenge. So I feel like if they're successful next year, once again, it's because of us. Because of us, yeah, for sure. It's uh, it, it's the break from the grind bump, is what it is. It is. That's a. It's the BFTG bump. BFTG bump. It's That's it's like it a. It's like a pregnancy bump, but we never pull out. Exactly. Oh, so, wait, I guess I, I guess if you pregnant, you don't pull out. I got to come up with a better uh, – work with us on the slogan. We're coming back to that. <laughs> so it, it, it's kind of like having those um, – what's it called on Instagram? You, you, you get those influencers. Like we are the official influence, influencer of the FF Faceoff because – Prior to them coming on the show with us and doing the show, that they, they didn't get six thousand dollars. I'm just gonna say they were at, before they did our show. They were at zero dollars after, after they did our they show. Did show six thousand facts, facts, complete just facts. facts. No, I, I will also say uh, we started it off on the show and then we closed down the potathon. Uh, yes. You know, we were bonus content. Yeah, they, they, they wanted us. They were they were so desperate to have us on. They literally created an extra half hour just for you and I. And you know what? Some people, the glass half empty people, will say, "Well, sure, you're on at twelve to twelve thirty. And but I, will I will tell you, say I, it's like closing down the bar at two thirty in the morning. Like everybody even, wants to be there when it closes down. George, you're you're looking at this all wrong. You're you're a, you're a glass kind of you know you you're looking for a silver lining in the glass half empty. What I'm gonna say is we were on prime time on the West Coast. We were nine o'clock. Nine o'clock prime time. So we were the nine o'clock show on the West Coast. On the West Coast, we had a half hour of just this. Imagine all, all of this. All of this. Imagine their excitement. Anyway, George, you know we're recording an intro. Um, we it's a little a different. Podcast. We, we, we just had a hell of an interview. We just interviewed Dom Portello and Bryce Weiler. Both have some challenges that they've overcome in their life. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on talking about it till we get to the interview, but uh, two really great guests on, we do a really good interview and, uh, and you'll hear that here in a few minutes. But the first thing I want to talk about, the thing uh, we are super excited to be back into is break from the grind charities, fantasy football leagues, Raising money for Toys for Tots. We have we're crushing. Leagues. We have leagues on top of leagues on top of leagues this year. 
We got prizes. We've got Hall of Fame prizes. Yeah. We got we got got Legend League already filled. Jerry Rice football. Sixteen people. Hundred dollar buy in for Jerry Rice autographed football. Completely full. I had to turn people away. I was batting my way with sticks. I told them, no, we're not doing anymore. They were hoping we could do an 18-team league, maybe a 20-team league, 24-team. I said, no, we're capping it at 16. Capping it 16, that's it. You weren't one of the original 16, so now you have to try and join the George Kittle League instead. Yes. Just George Kittle or Michael Irving uh, uh, mock Lombardi trophy. We've got we've got Cam Akers mini helmet, a J.K. Dobbins league that's full, uh, and and Austin Adams, Michael Thomas, like we got it all. Alvin Kamara, Kenny Galladay, yeah. I mean, listen, we could go on and on about the players like Chris Godwin that we have. Uh, I even Colin have Mack, Eddie yeah. Lacy. Oh like, yeah, I, you, you just yeah. don't get these from every anybody. Okay, you can only get stuff like Eddie Lacy from BFTG Cherries. You know that Eddie Lacy is just flying right onto my shelf and not really going anywhere. Nobody really wants Eddie Lacy. So it, is, it is literally I, standing in line at the buffet as we speak. It's it's probably one of my worst ideas ever, and I thought it was going to be big, but guess what? It wasn't. Um, so sometimes, I, sometimes, listen, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah, that, I, that, that one completely crashed and burned. So I, I was trying to do a weight loss uh, challenge league where, you know, after the season you'd go from after the season to uh, the start of like what training camp would have been, and and then you know if you got twelve people trying to lose weight, you would draft in the order of the people who lost the most weight. And then the winner of the league would get, you know, a, as a joke, the Eddie Lacy jersey. But turns out nobody really wants an Eddie Lacy jersey uh, or to lose weight. I, I was guess. Say, or they don't want to lose weight. It's one or the other. It's probably both. But uh, <laughs> uh, listen, it was an idea. It doesn't it, – I, I don't get them often, so I threw it out there. It didn't work. We're there. It is uh, what deal it with is. It. So uh, one thing I do want to mention, uh, first is always we want to thank everybody who joins our leagues. Um, yep. You know, obviously without you guys, we wouldn't have the donations. Uh, we'd probably still have the prizes because George and I spend a lot of money on our own to buy those, but they would just be hanging up in my room right now. Same, um, same here. I'd have some really nice stuff. Yeah. So, but thank you to, to everybody who's donated, who's joined a league or three. You know, you guys uh, every year, you you, you um continue to amaze me with your with your charitable giving you know especially this year uh, there's going to be more people than ever who uh who ha- are without of a job just like uh, out of no fault of their own right like this uh, who knew a pandemic would come and 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 crush things so um this year is going to be particularly hard hit so for those of you that can donate and do donate thank you so much uh the other uh, the other things i want to mention is thank you to john chapman with eat sleep fantasy for running the jerry rice league he's a huge san francisco 49er buff he's got his own san francisco 49er podcast and um you know a lot of fans a, a lot of followers to that and and they stepped up big time and filled what to date is our more ex- most expensive league so thank you to john chapman and then i also want to thank hoose and sleeperwire who donated the uh, Michael Thomas foot, autographed football. You know, that's going to be a 16-team league, and it's where the money uh, that we donated to the Hayden Hurst Foundation came from. So, um, you know, thank you to Sleeperwire for donating the ball as well. Uh, and then finally, Pristine Auction, who did give us uh, who did give us a little bit of money, and that's, that's part of where uh, Jerry Rice came from. You know, Pristine yep. Auction stepped up big time and, and gave us a little bit of money, and that's how we got the, the Legends League going. So thank you to them. Uh, you know, we get we get all of our prizes 
from Pristine Auction. Uh, they're the most trusted out there. You know, you if you've listened to any fantasy football podcasts uh, with any real following, you know, you know the the spiel on Pristine Auction. You guys get uh, great autograph memorabilia at really good price. Um, you know, the only better way to get autographed sports memorabilia is to win it through one of our leagues. So, uh, either get it through them or get it through us, but either way, uh, it went through them. So, uh, thank you to everybody that's been involved so far. We're, we're crushing it so early in the season, but we've got a lot more to go. So, uh, thank you. And, and George, my uh, five minute rant is over. Uh, well, I, I just wanted to jump on the, the thank you train. Um, we're going to move from here right into the meat and potatoes of the show. So once again, I want to thank Bryce Weiler. Um, he is located at Bryce Weiler on Twitter. Um, he's a disability consultant for the Baltimore Oreos and co-founder of the Beautiful Lives Project. We will get into both of those and much, much more in this next segment of the show. Also want to thank Dominic Pertello for coming on. Uh, Dom, as always, we appreciate you. Uh, Dom is the owner and writer at the Fantasy Hot Read. He is a writer at Rotoballer NFL and a ranker at Fantasy Pros. So you can follow him at Envision FF. That's E N V I S I O N F F on Twitter. And Jason, with that, why don't we move into the why don't we move into the show? And welcome, everybody. I am super excited to be here tonight. We are joined by not one, but two absolutely amazing guests. Super excited for the show. Uh, it's been a long time coming. We've been planning the show for about two or three weeks. With us tonight, first off, foremost, we have Bryce Weiler. Um, if you don't know who Bryce is, he's a disability consultant for the Baltimore Oreos. He's also the co-founder of the Beautiful Lives Project. Also with us tonight is Dominic Petrillo. He is the owner and writer of the Fantasy Hot Read. He's a writer at the Rotoballer NFL and a ranker at Fantasy Pros. And what is truly remarkable is not just the resume for these gentlemen that I I, I just read to you, but the fact that I'm just going to say it like they're blind. Both of these gentlemen have a, a disability. They have no vision. Doing a little background check on Bryce. Please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you've been blind since since birth, I believe, or very, very young age. Yes, since I was born. Yep. And Dominic, you've you lost your your vision when you were a teenager, I believe, right? Uh, no, actually, I was I was 32. I lost my sight. 32. Uh, just, wow. <laughs> just about eight years ago. I was slight slightly off on the age there. <laughs> so, gentlemen, how are you guys doing? First off. I'm doing good, just hanging in there. Bryce has been helping me out a little bit, getting some uh, emails together to try and get a hold of some NFL teams. So I've been emailing a bunch of NFL teams, saying about if they need any, you know, disability advocates and any writers for their websites. Are you getting any hear back from that? Are you getting any replies from from these teams and these coaches and whatnot? Uh, so far, I've sent uh, probably about 20 emails to different teams and uh, a few head coaches, mostly general managers. And so far, the only thing, I, only one I've heard back from was the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the general manager, uh, Brandon Bean, got his had his assistant get a hold of me and just say that right now, because of the virus, they're in a hiring freeze, but that he's going to send all my information uh, over to their HR department. Well, that that's freaking awesome. Like even in, and I get the current situation um, with everything that's going on with the COVID nineteen and whatnot. Um, I understand, you know, 
things are a little crazy, a little hectic, definitely a little challenging. Um, but for even just for them to get back to you, like, you know, being, being a fan of the Miami Dolphins in the AFC East, I'm not a big Buffalo Bills fan, but you know, a little bit more, I guess I am now. Yeah, actually the Dolphins are on my list to try and contact tomorrow. Nice. Let me know how that goes. Jason, how are you doing? I, I didn't even introduce that you were on the call. You know that's okay. I, I'm used to being second fiddle, and I'm I'm perfectly fine playing third or fourth fiddle tonight. Uh, we got a couple of great guests on tonight, and and uh, at least in this portion, uh, it's going to be about the guests. So Bryce, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Beautiful Lives Project? I want to jump right into to your charity and uh, and all the good do, all the good deeds you do, and then you know we'll talk a little bit more uh, going forward about what you've been doing personally. So why don't you jump into the Beautiful Lives Project a little bit? The Beautiful Lives Project works to give people of all disabilities the opportunity to participate in events that may not have been offered to them previously, such as programs where people of all disabilities can participate in programs of sports teams, where they can play on the field with a high school football team or a college football team, where people with disabilities can play on the court with a basketball team, whether that be a high school team, team, college team, or professional team, where people who have disabilities can play on the field with a soccer team, play on the field with a softball team. People who have disabilities can also experience programs in cheerleading and dance. They can learn how to do a cheer or a dance and then perform at halftime of a sporting event. People who have disabilities, in addition, can experience programs in music, such as learning how to sing, learning how to play musical instruments. We also have programs where people who have disabilities can take part in arts and crafts, learning how to do painting, sculpture, all sorts of those art types of programs. And finally, programs where people who have disabilities can experience nature, going to zoos, going to nature preserves, all sorts of intriguing nature programs. And we have a plethora of chapter presidents across the country who run these events for people who, of all disabilities, all ages and all disabilities, by the way, it's not just for children, because that wouldn't be fair to segment our nonprofit to one portion of the population. So these chapter presidents are based all across the country in places such as San Diego, California, Raleigh, North Carolina, Hartford, Connecticut, Dallas, Texas, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Long Island, New York, Midland, Texas, and many other places. And we want to make the dreams of people of all disabilities come true, no matter what their dream is, whether it's something in sports or something totally outside of sports. Can you talk about some of the events that you've got upcoming? I, I kind of want to know, uh, has COVID affected upcoming events? I know they've probably shut it down for a little bit. Uh, I saw on your Twitter feed, you've got like an event July 30th coming up. Is there anything cool coming up that you're working on? With the virus, we've started doing many virtual events. And whenever it's safe to have in-person events, once again, we will do that throughout the country in the various cities and locations where we have Beautiful Lives Project chapters. Can you talk about um, some of the, the teams that uh, have have helped sponsor the Beautiful Life Project, some of the events you've done with some of the cool teams? We've given people with disabilities the opportunity to experience playing on the court with some NBA G League teams. They've been able to play on the court with the Texas Legends team, play on the court with the Erie Bayhawks on the football side of things. And I'm trying to get more football events going across the country, but I struggle to get football coaches to respond back to me on the high school level, college level, or the professional level. We've done an event with the Northern Illinois Huskies football team coached by Thomas Hammock, where people who have disabilities have been able to play on the field with their players and coaches and experience throwing the football, kicking the football, learning how to run routes and things such as that. 
And last year out in Cumming, Georgia, I had an event where people of all disabilities were able to play on the field with some of the best AAU softball players before an event put on by Triple Crown Sports. It was their USA National Softball Tournament, and we had three fields running simultaneously where 110 people of various disabilities were playing on the field with some of the best AAU softball players in the country at the high school level. So why do you think you're having such a hard time hearing back from like high school coaches and college coaches and even the professional coaches. Like, do you think it's, it's virus related? Cause we discussed with Dom uh, just a few minutes ago where, you know, he was emailing all these GMs and head coaches and he only, he emailed like 20 teams and only heard back from one. Um, do you think it's COVID related? Do you think it's because of the virus that's going around that you're just not getting response back from, or what do you think it is? Why they're not responding? I've not really heard back from these coaches for years, actually. I normally email people every year. I don't know why football coaches and football staff members don't respond as much as someone in Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, or the NBA. Sometimes I believe football coaches aren't really as apt with technology, such as using computers, or or they don't think they need to check emails very often. And I've tried to help people get to football people as much as they can through giving out email formats. I know Dom has asked me for some 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 email formats and I've I've given him the ones that I know by heart and the ones that I don't know and some NFL teams have been changing their email formats recently so I have looked up and and found a few that have been changed and I'm trying to help him have the most success he can contacting people in football by giving him these various email formats so he can freely email NFL coaches, general managers, front office people, whoever he chooses. I got a question here for 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 Dom because I want to I want to work him into this this interview uh, as well. Clearly, um, that's why we have him here. Um, Dom, you mentioned that the the Bills are going to get back to you eventually once you know this COVID stuff clears up and there's not a hiring freeze, which we, I mean, most people probably understand, uh, given the circumstances right now about the hiring freezes and whatnot. But if, 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 and when the bills do get back to you, like ideally, if they bring you in, like what would be the ideal situation for you that they bring you in for some sort of a position if, if they even offer you one? Yeah. Uh, the, when I wrote to them, I explained to them, you know, that I was blind and that I was trying to make it in the writing industry. So I would love to be able to get in there as a, you know, a writer for the team's website. And I also explained to him how I would love to be a, you know, a disability advocate getting out in the community and being like a face of the franchise showing that uh, just because somebody's disabled, you know, doesn't mean they can't do something. And I want to, as I explained to you before on like when I did the show before, I want to use, I want to be able to get there, whether it be with the bills or with another team, if somebody gets a hold of me and be able to use that larger platform of being involved with an NFL team to, you know, be able to make a path going forward. I mean, they always say, you know, with, with women or with other minorities or whatever, uh, you, you know, it takes one person to break through to allow other people to get in there. You know, you always talk about say back in the day with like Sammy Davis jr made it possible for, you know, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock and everybody to get into comedy as an African-American. I want to be able to do that with somebody who's disabled, getting, getting into a, an NFL team or getting into a sports team like Bryce did with their Orioles or getting into the sports writing world, even though people think right now somebody who's blind can't do it. I want to prove to them they can so that people that come up, see behind me in a way are able to get in there and have an easier time getting in because they've seen that people can do it before them. 
So Bryce, uh, what advice would you give to somebody uh, like Dom who's who's trying to crack into the sports world and and with the success that you've had, what kind of advice could you give to Dom? Dom is doing it the right way with with emailing people and I have him emailing the most important people at teams because when when I was applying for jobs after I finished in college, I would never say that I was blind. And I would get really close with jobs. And eventually people would find out that I was blind through reading some sort of an article or seeing me shoot pictures of me shooting free throws with someone standing under the basket and clapping and me making free throws through that. And suddenly I would just disappear off of their job radar. They would just say they had someone else or they wouldn't email or call me anymore because many places they don't want to spend the extra money to hire someone who's blind or someone who has any disability because they can hire someone for less. And if that person leaves for another job, they haven't, in their minds, wasted all this money on specialized training and specialized equipment. So actually getting Baltimore as their disability consultant, that was the first time that I'd ever emailed someone, Baltimore's owner and president of their baseball team, and told them that I was blind, told them how sitting on the Evansville men's basketball bench, thanks to the invitation of Marty Simmons, changed my life and gave me the opportunity to experience sports. So Dom is doing it in a fantastic way, and I'm diligently working to figure out all of the email formats that have been changed so that Dom can email anybody his heart desires throughout football. I know this is going back a little bit, uh, but I do have a question, comment type thing for Bryce. Um, I know that uh, Jason and George, you both are in the fantasy football world as I am. So you both know uh, Brad Evans. He's one of the biggest guys in the industry. Uh, he lives in Littleton, Colorado, which, as Bryce knows, is where the biggest blind school in the country is. It's the biggest NFB school in the country, which is the National Federation for the Blind. Uh, they also have a school in Ruston, Louisiana and Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, but I know for a fact that the one in Littleton, Colorado, part of their a nine month curriculum there is everybody that goes there has to go rock climbing while they're there. Uh, that's one of the outdoor activities they do there. So I didn't know if that was something you can get a hold of them and they can, and you can find out who, uh, what company out there they use or whatever. That might be another aspect or something that you could do for uh, the nature aspect with your project. Yeah, that would definitely be, be a good nature program. I have talked to the director of the center out there in Colorado. I'll have to recontact them and, and let them know what I'm doing. But I think most importantly, I need to find myself a chapter president in Colorado so I don't have to go travel out there for that type of an event. So find the chapter president and then recontact the, the, the center director out there for the uh, NFB center. Yeah, because I know that in Colorado is especially very good uh, for the disabled and for the blind, uh, just because of Littleton being right there. It's literally you can take a train from the uh, Denver airport seven miles south right to Littleton, and it drops off right in the center of town. It's one of the most accessible towns in the entire country. So I know for a fact that Colorado's disability programs are extremely good. So, yeah, it would be good to get a chapter president out in the Denver type area. So. What what does it take? Like I live in Florida, so there's no way I could be a chapter president in Denver. That's just not happening. <laughs> but if somebody were to be interested that lives in the Denver area that's listening to this, you know, what what qualifications, what's required for them to become a chapter president? They don't really have to have any qualifications. They just have to have a passion to help people with disabilities to live their dreams. We can teach them how to do fundraising. It'd be nice if they had a 
a somewhat flexible schedule where they could uh, go to programs and events that are different times during during the day or on the weekend. But if they couldn't go, we could find one of their friends or their family or I'm really good at calling random companies and places and saying, I have an event in this town. I need someone to go take videos and pictures for me. Will you do it? So I've done that a lot. Actually, I'm about the only one who's weird enough to do that in my nonprofit, but it doesn't bother me. So I can do it again if I have to. Basically, just a passion to help people of all disabilities to live their dreams. So anybody could be a chapter president, whether you live in Florida, you live in Colorado. We have some people who are in foreign countries who want to be chapter presidents. We can teach them how to do everything, how to fundraise. They'll, they'll get their name up on our website, beautifullives.org, with a photo and their email address and all sorts of things like that. They just have to have a passion to serve. And I think all of you have that. And, and Dom has been doing a great job sharing his life story and, and trying to get into football. And, and I've been so honored to be friends with him now for about two and a half weeks and, and to help um, as much as I can with figuring out email formats. And, and you actually heard from, from Brandon Bean, who's the Buffalo Bills general manager. He actually emailed me back before. He, he's, he's a super nice man. Yeah, so that was one of the reasons I, 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 I've known Dom for, Dom, what would you say, a little over two years? Yeah, yeah, right around two years, yep. So uh, when 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 you uh, messaged me on, on Twitter, Bryce, like the first thing I, I honestly thought of was like, I need to get this guy in contact with Dom because what you do is exactly what Dom has been wanting to do. And I, I, honest, I truly felt that you could significantly help him uh, in, in a positive way. And I'm not going to lie. I was hoping to introduce you to on the show uh, and, and, and see how that works. A little disappointed when, when I told you, Hey, we're going to have this guy named Dom on. And you're like, Oh, Dominic Petrillo. I know him. You know, we've been talking like I, I wanted to get you guys together because I, I feel like you could really help Dom. Uh, Dom does have the, the, the passion and the drive to, to try to succeed and I, I just think with a little bit of guidance and, and, and coming from your expertise, like the sky's the limit for, for him. And also, I think the sky's the limit for you as well. I've really enjoyed our, our friendship the past two and a half weeks. And I'm, I'm happy I could help, help start helping uh, Dom as, as soon as I could so we could get things going because I hate waiting because I know how much of a struggle it was for me to get into sports and how many people said they were going to help me find a job or to advocate for me. And a large portion of those people didn't even try. So, so let me, oh, let me uh, ask, cause uh, you just touched on jobs and uh, the Orioles did give you uh, what sounds like a really great job. And I've, I've listened to a couple of the other interviews um, and, and heard some of the things that you've been able to do with the Orioles. Can you touch on what your, what you feel like is your biggest accomplishment as a member of the Orioles. Definitely the event where the Orioles wore Braille on their jerseys to show the importance of people who are blind learning how to read Braille and how important learning Braille is to make the world accessible for individuals who are blind. Baltimore went beyond just having one of their Orioles home games at Camden Yards, and they took a stand and said it's important for people who are blind to learn how to read Braille, no matter what age one becomes blind, because whenever someone who's blind learns how to read Braille, it opens up the entire world to this person. Books, magazines, newspapers, the the um, the sets of stairs you can read if you're on the second floor or the third floor. Because so often, whenever people come blind partway through their life, 
they really do not want to learn how to read Braille because they think someone's going to look at them differently and not think that that they can do something. But once you get past the fact of convincing that person that that learning how to read Braille will open up your entire world again, then they're super excited to learn how to read Braille. So that night in September 2018 when the Orioles were playing the Blue Jays was definitely one of my proudest moments in sports, if not the top one that I've ever been a part of. We had 150 fans who were visually impaired or blind at that game. I trained the ushers how to properly guide individuals who are visually impaired and blind. I put all the food menus at the food stands where the patrons who are visually impaired and blind were sitting out in the left field seats there at Camden Yards into Braille, two versions, contracted and the uncontracted version. I also made sure that these menus were in large print so that people who are visually impaired and blind did not have to have these menus read to them, which can be frustrating. So what would you attribute uh, to the Orioles opening up in a way that a lot of other teams wouldn't? Is it is it just the right individuals in charge of the team? Is it um, is it just the the team being more... I don't want to say liberal, more open with all kinds of inclusion, or is it is it just right person, right time? The right people in charge of the team, many staff members who want to do these programs, the struggle I've found and the struggle Dom may find as he's going through contacting football teams is, is you may have one person who wants to support you, but if this person is, say, the 20th or the 25th most important person at a team, it's probably not going to go anywhere for you. You need someone in the top five to eight staff members on a team to want to support you. The owner and the president, you're in good shape. If you get the head coach, you're in decent shape, but still no guarantee. You have to go for that owner or the team president or basically just get whoever you can get at the highest level to support whatever you're trying to do in your life. So can you talk about how uh, the first time who you met with the Orioles and the first time you made contact? I met their ownership team. It's a father-son ownership team, Peter Angelos and his son, John Angelos. I met John Angelos in April of 2016. I, I emailed with him in March of 2016. John flew me out to Baltimore where I threw out a first pitch to my friend Paul Molitor, the former Minnesota Twins manager. He was still their manager at the point in time. And we spoke about having me work as a disability consultant for the Orioles. And I started that role in June of 2016. And one thing, sorry, I was going to say, I think one thing to like, one of the email addresses I got was for the Ravens. Unfortunately, it, it wasn't work. It didn't work. So it, I'm going to have to see if I can find it again or see if, uh, you know, Bryce is able to find the new one for me. Uh, but one thing that I think is good about Baltimore is that because the NFB, which is the biggest uh, blind organization uh, in the country, in the country for sure. And I'm, I'm assuming the world, I don't know. It is actually based in Baltimore as well. Uh, so I think they do have a lot of, uh, like partnerships or a lot of experience with people in that area uh, being disabled or being blind. So I think that's where uh, the Ravens would be a, a great fit for me, just like the Orioles are with him. And like even yesterday, he was talking about uh, trying to get the most important people in the, uh, you know, in the organization. I did email yesterday with the Chiefs. I emailed uh, Brett Veach as well as Andy Reid, and I, I tried to use the same email format for format for Patrick Mahomes, but apparently the players don't have email addresses. Players do not have email addresses, <laughs> yeah. just coaches, front office yeah. members. 
I was, I was, you know, I was I, gonna I, say, did you email Pat Mahomes because he is the most important person in exa- that organization? Exactly. That's why I, I took a shot, but it kicked back and said not available. <laughs> okay, I, I, I had to throw a little joke in there. <laughs> so. Um, you know, Bryce, you touched on something that I kind of wanted to talk about because we've got, um, we've got both of you on and you came, uh, to the disability in different ways. You know, you were born, uh, with a, with a very rare condition and, and Dom, um, I believe his is probably way less rare. It's, uh, complications due to diabetes, right, Dom? Yes. Um, so what do you guys think? And I'll, I'd like both of you to answer uh, the challenges of being born without vision versus uh, going blind, uh, like Dom said, at 32, but it can happen pretty much at any time. My uh, my grandfather developed macular degeneration in his in his 80s and lost vision um, completely as he was as he was um, in his later years. So, what do you guys think the difference is being born? Uh, with a disability and then coming to it later in life? Well, personally, I don't know about Bryce, and I may be off uh, base saying this, but I, I honestly think it's uh, more difficult. I don't know how much more difficult, but I think it's more difficult uh, losing your sight after you already have it. Uh, for for Bryce, he since he was born uh, without vision, he doesn't know anything but not having vision. Uh, so he, you know, this has basically been his whole life. He learned everything, uh, being blind and what have you. I learned everything as a sighted person. You know, I learned to read, I learned to write, I learned to, you know, drive a car. That was my last job was driving cars and everything like that. You know, I learned, like grew up seeing my family, seeing my friends, uh, watching TV, watching everything. And then within a matter of literally six to eight months, everything went just completely black. Uh, so now when I go to sleep at night, I still have dreams, but I dream of everything from when I was a kid from when I could see of people I could see when I was younger and how they looked then. Uh, so if somebody says to say, Bryce, Hey, um, I like this color red on you to Bryce is like, what's red. You know, he doesn't really, he doesn't know he's heard the word before, but he doesn't know what red looks like to me. If somebody says, Oh, I like that color red on you. I can, you know, I can picture in my head. So in a way it's, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's easier in the way that I know what, when they say, oh, I like that red shirt or I like that or I like that, I know what they're talking about, whereas Bryce may not. Uh, but in the other case, I also know it's harder because I know what I'm what I'm missing by not seeing, you know, not seeing my sister anymore, not seeing my mom anymore, not seeing any of my friends anymore and things like that. So I think it's to me, honestly, I think it's harder to lose your sight um, than it is to be born without sight, because when you're born without it, you don't know any different when you're born with it and you learn everything and then when you lose your sight you have to learn you have to basically relearn everything bryce do you find it's harder for people who've lost sight that you've talked to uh as as time's gone on like um like you said reading braille uh guys are are embarrassed to to try and learn um do you find it's harder to to bring people i don't want to say out of their shell but um to help to accept the loss of vision if they've lost it later in life Dom broke it down very correctly. I was at a blind training program in Chicago in 2017. I was learning how to cook a little better, bit better, and learning how to use Excel and PowerPoint better on my laptop. And they did not have enough instructors to teach the various individuals there who were visually impaired and blind how to read Braille. So I did it because I've been reading Braille since I was five years old. 
the hardest part was not teaching these these individuals how to read Braille. Some of them became blind through sickness. One man, unfortunately, was shot um, in the eye, which caused him to go blind. The hardest part was convincing them that reading Braille will open their entire world back up to them. So we spent some 50-minute long class sessions just talking about that. And once they finally got it in their head that this was something they wanted to do and they were excited about doing it, it was so easy to help them learn all of the dot patterns. And it was such a joy. But the hardest part was the mental part. It's as if they were playing a football game or a basketball game in their mind. And once they got past the, the mental hurdles and the mental struggles they had, teaching them how to read Braille was fantastically easy just with the dots and the patterns. But they had to have that excitement and that will to want to learn how to read Braille. So how long does it take uh, somebody – because, you know, I've always wanted to learn a second language. And, you know, they say it's easiest to learn when you're a kid. How long does it take to teach somebody who's gone blind? Uh, Dom, how long did it take you uh, to learn how to read Braille? Well, I I was kind of – not a special case. Um, The way I was taught was very simple. Um, The lady who taught me – I learned the entire alphabet in less than an hour. The actually the lady who taught me and her driver, because the lady who taught me was blind as well, uh, both said that was the fastest they ever saw anybody learn in their 25 years of doing it. Um, so in my case, it was pretty uh, simple to learn the the dots. Uh, my issue is because of the diabetes, I do have some uh, neuropathy in my fingertips, uh, so sometimes I'll feel what they call phantom dots. Uh, where like, you know, if you like press down really hard on something and then you move to the next one, you it, you still have the indent in your finger or whatever. So you think you're feeling it again and you're not. Uh, so in my case, that's where the issue is. So if the if the Braille uh, was actually bigger, it would be easier for me because I could feel it. Uh, but it's all one standard size. Uh, so the non-contracted, I know uh, Brace mentioned earlier, the contracted, non-contracted. Uh, there's two different ways of learning. I know the non-contracted Braille. I don't know the contracted. That's where... Instead of using like, and I forget what the words are, but if you just see an A by itself, that's uh, what that's above, I believe. In that's actually nothing. Um, above would be ABV. So yeah, so there, if you see ABV on a in a sheet, that means above. That's contracted because it's you know if it's non-contracted, it would be ABOVE, and they would you would spell it out. So it's just and just different things like there's a dot pattern. I think it's like three four is like for two set is for like two letters. So instead of putting those two letters, you just put the three, four, and you know that it means those two letters and things like that, which I'm not, I don't know those, but the non-contracted braille, which is like I said, just the basic letters, the alphabet and the numbers one through 10 or one through whatever uh, I learned in less than an hour. So what do you guys feel like is the biggest misconception for, for people with disabilities, like for people who are blind? What do you think is some of the the biggest uh, misconceptions that they can't do something or or something along those lines? Uh, companies just being scared to give people who have disabilities the opportunity or saying that they're going to go find another job at some point. So why do I want to spend this extra money on paying for this specialized technology? But it's important to give everyone an opportunity to live their dreams and to be a part of society. Yeah, and just even in if you're just talking about everyday life as well, like I've had yeah. um, people say to not not to me, but I've had people say to friends around me and stuff. It's like, what's the weirdest thing you've heard, or whatever? And people will say to you, "How do you go? Like, how are you able to go to the bathroom? <laughs> you know, how are you able to brush your teeth? Or you know, how are you able to 
put your clothes on. It's like, you know, it's my hands work, you know, I can, my feet work. I can, I can walk and stuff. Just, you know, if I can walk to the bathroom, I can go to the bathroom. If I can walk to the sink, I can get my own, you know, I can get a drink or I can brush my own teeth and stuff. But just people think that they just think just cause you're blind that you're almost like you're an infant again, where you need everything to be done for you. And, you know, they think that just because you're blind means you're not intelligent. And, you know, that's, not the case just because somebody's blind doesn't mean they're not intelligent just because somebody's deaf or is missing a limb or something doesn't mean they're not intelligent i mean i mean both of you you've seen you know my foot you know just because i'm missing part of my foot doesn't mean that i'm you know and i have a disability there doesn't mean that i'm not intelligent just because you're you know missing a part of your body or missing one of your senses uh doesn't mean that and the other thing that's funny which i don't i'm sure brace has gotten it all his whole life and to me it's not I don't think it's true. Maybe Bryce does, but everybody says, Oh, you're, you know, you're blind. Right. So that means your hearing's got to be better. Or that means your sense of touch has to be better. That's not the case. It's not like the other four senses pick up for the one that you're missing. My hearing and my sense of touch are better because I was born blind. So I developed those, but, but since uh, Dom, you became blind partway through your life, you never really had, had the chance to make your hearing better whenever you were younger. And you probably, you know, listen to things at a louder level, maybe when you were younger, music and, and things such as that. So it's different when you become blind partway through your life or have any disability because you aren't really considering your entire life, oh, it's really important for me to strengthen my legs so I can walk better or listen to things at the lowest level possible so I can train my hearing to be as superior as it can be so I can get echoes off of buildings and listen for people walking down the wrong side of the sidewalk and, and things of that nature. Yeah. And, and again, that's like, like I said, it's different for Bryce as it is for me because we're in two separate situations. I have noticed that uh, my hearing, if anything, has gotten quicker. Uh, because I do like when I listen to podcasts and stuff, I don't listen to them at regular speed, uh, just like with Bryce, which I'm sure he does with his phone when he has the voiceover on. Uh, if he has it as at, say, 50 percent, like if he's talking, if we're if you're talking at a normal rate, it's like it seems like really slow because we listen to our phones at a much quicker speed. Like I have mine at 65 percent. I'm sure Bryce probably has his uh, faster than that. Uh, but when people hear my phone, they're like, oh, what is that saying? It's super fast. So and in that way, like I listen to my podcast at like one and a half times speed or if my if the podcast app I use had a two times speed, I could do it at two times speed, you know, just because I can hear things quicker. And to me, that quicker voice seems like a regular uh, the regular speed. So when I actually listen to a podcast at regular speed, it seems like it's going really slow, almost like a like a Mr. Bean type speed or something. So Bryce, you mentioned um, listening to stuff at, at a lower or as at low possible uh when when you were like training your hearing is that also do you think that's to protect like one of the senses you think you didn't you didn't blast music when you were young because you knew hearing is that much more important so you wanted to protect yourself versus you know somebody like george or i who who just we didn't have to think about it so we just did what we did and like my you know my hearing's not great now because uh, literally how close i sat to speakers at concerts and and things like that I still listen to things at, at the lowest level possible and I get frustrated when things are turned up too loud because I know how important my my hearing is. So 
I will always listen to things at the quietest level possible and even sometimes try and turn it down a little bit under that to work on stretching my hearing. I have heard things at, at such a a low level when I took hearing tests in school that people could not believe that I could still hear these things. Yeah, that that's interesting. So as Jason mentioned, like that's something I honestly the volume on things I truly don't think about. Um, my wife always yells at me. She'll walk into the bedroom or she'll come from the bedroom, go in the living room and like, turn the TV down. It's really loud. And I'm, I'll look at her like, you know, the TV's not that loud. And she's like, yeah, it really is. And then I'll turn the volume down a little bit and then I'll wait 10, 15 minutes and slowly, but surely I'll turn it back up, back to the normal volume so I can actually hear it again because my hearing is that bad. Well, and I'll, I have to say, you know, it's, Listening to stuff too loud is kind of a, a lesson I've received uh, later in life only because uh, I have two kids that are high-functioning autistic and high volumes for my son is uh, is kind of a problem. He, he'll cover his ears um, even at what I would consider normal listen, music listening uh, volume in the car. So we've become super sensitive to how loud we keep um, you know, our television now and uh, a lot of times – we put on closed captions so that we're not bothering him uh, when when we're watching TV. It's it's funny with him though because his iPad could be up to a hundred and and my TV can't be up to six. Bryce, you you mentioned uh, earlier in the show that you did some broadcasting, I believe that you actually got to do live broadcasting for for baseball games. Did did you want to touch on that a little bit? I would do my broadcast whether it was commentating college basketball, baseball softball, men's and women's soccer, by studying the style of the play-by-play broadcaster that I was working with, by reading facts on the players and coaches from each team, by visiting with a coach from each team before the game. If I was commentating basketball, ensuring there's a microphone on the basket so I could hear if the ball was swishing through the net or bouncing off the rim, I would go out and shoot free throws on the court before the game to figure out if the rim was, was loose or tight and how the ball was going to bounce off the front of the rim. If you shot it short, was it going to creep up over the front of the rim? Or if it was a tight rim and you shot it long, was it going to kick hard off the back of the rim? And then when I was commentating baseball and softball, I would make sure there was a good crowd microphone by home plate so I could hear the sound of the umpire calling the pitch a ball or a strike. Or when I was also commentating so I could hear the sound of the ball, hitting the the catcher's glove or the chest protector so I wouldn't have to have the play-by-play broadcaster jump in and call a pitch if I knew what happened. So w- where would they put the microphone? Like I, I'm trying to think of where they would put the microphone so it wouldn't interfere with the game on the field. They have these items anyways. It was nothing really special. I just made sure that they always had it for every broadcast that I was on. I think I think for basketball, typically when a team uses – a sound microphone like that, they they hook it up on the pad maybe underneath yeah. the basket, and then for baseball and softball, they just they just put it down somewhere behind the the home plate screen, pretty close by there. What I was asking for was was nothing special, and it's things that are used in broadcasting every day. Yeah, okay. so it's right. it's just it's just you needed to make sure that they had it at, at the particular games. I think I think the thing that impressed me the most when I hear you calling the games is to, when you talk about exactly how much prep you do before each game. You know that you can tell when a broadcaster is prepared 
I don't want to booger McFarlane any names, but sometimes you can tell that, you know, they're just throwing stuff out there. And it sounds like you had to dedicate like hours and hours of time memorizing statistics and facts. So at the right moment in the game, you could recall it from memory. Um, and, and it just speaks back to like a work ethic that you have. Um, and I think that goes to like everything you've done, you know, from the charity to with the Orioles to helping other people, um, you know, like reaching out to Dom to, to broadcasting. It, it seems like every, at every turn there's a positive attitude and a, and a really hard work ethic. What do you attribute your work ethic and your positive attitude to? People always told me I could never do things in my life, such as commentating sports on the radio as a blind radio broadcaster. Even people did not think that I could find a job working in sports because I cannot see. So I just said I was going to prove all the people who doubted me wrong, and I was going to surround myself with people who wanted to help me be successful, and I was going to try to help other people to be successful to live their dreams, whether they had some some sort of a challenge such as being blind, having autism in a wheelchair, any disability, or even if they did not have any disability, because if they don't have any disability, there's no reason why they can't find a job working in, in sports or, or in whatever they, they want to do because they don't have the biggest issue that people who have all disabilities face um, challenging them, people, which is people doubting that someone can can do whatever whatever it is that this person dreams to do in their life because he or she has a certain disability and people still have not gotten past stereotypes for all disabilities and and there's still barriers so i enjoy breaking down those barriers i love helping dom and and helping people who have disabilities who actually really want to try to to make a difference and to live their dreams because that's what i try to do every day is make a difference and i try to live my dreams and help others to live their dreams so so to sum all of that up it sounds like a really good heart and a little bit of a chip on your shoulder more so having a good heart to to help others i'm not i'm not that upset that, that <laughs> people doubted me and did not think that i can do it when i get another team as a disability consultant i don't say oh i have to email all the people who doubted me it just it just bothers me because i know if i could see people wouldn't be doubting me at, at this point in the show um i think we'll go ahead and start to bring it to a close before we do that, I, I specifically want to give both Dom and Bryce an opportunity to to leave some sort of message with the people. Um, Bryce, we'll go with you first, then with Dom. If if you could just say one thing to the people listening, what what would be your 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 words of wisdom for them? Always live your dreams. Always try to help others. And never think anything is impossible in your life because if you set a dream and you make that dream into a goal, you can be successful. Dom, same to you. I wish I could make everybody <clears throat> go blind for one year so that you can see that anything can be done by anybody. It's not the what the person looks like or anything like that. It's what's in the person's heart and what's in the person's mind. And, you know, just because somebody's blind doesn't mean their mind doesn't work and their heart doesn't work. So if everybody could go blind for one year, I think that this whole world would be a much better place because people would be more respectful of one another. I don't, I don't know if I'd want to go blind for a year, maybe a week. I don't know. I think a year would be a long time. 
Well, I mean, so I, I think it just gets back down to can people be empathetic without going through the thing that um, they need to share empathy for or um, or even just understanding? It's not always even empathy. It's just understanding. So, yeah. uh, um, you know, like, uh, like Bryce has shown with the Orioles and all the other uh, the teams that have opened up to him through his charity, you know, there are people around that can um, – that can be understanding that can open up that can make the changes required so that everybody can be included. And then there's teams that don't get back to you or, or people that um, can't see uh, or can't find the, the way forward uh, living or, or, or understanding how you guys live through life. Right. And uh, what it boils down to is getting your message out there. Like you're doing through us and the other podcasts that you guys have been on through the charity, through writing, through through newspaper articles, uh, just basically getting the story out so more and more people begin to understand that, you know, you guys do live normal lives, can do whatever you set your minds to, just like everybody else. Amen. Um, Bryce, why don't you run through one time? Uh, anybody who's interested in helping out with the Beautiful Lives Project, or if they want to contact you, um, how, how do they go ahead and do that? Go ahead and throw all your information out there. People can pull up our nonprofit website, which is www.beautifullives.org. They can contact us on that website, beautifullives.org. People can email me if they would like. My email is bryce at beautifullives.org, B-R-Y-C-E at beautifullives.org. People can call me or text me if they would like. My phone number is 812-899-5673. 812-899-5673. I'm on Twitter at Bryce Weiler at B-R-Y-C-E-W-E-I-L-E-R. They can connect with me on LinkedIn and they can follow our nonprofit Twitter at Butte Lives Proj, at B-E-A-U-T-L-I-V-E-S-P-R-O-J. And Dom, if people want to follow you, uh, if they want to follow your content at the Fantasy Hot Read, or read your information from the Rotoballer NFL, how, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, first I want to thank Bryce for helping me out, getting me a lot of these email addresses that he's gotten me for the uh, NFL teams, and hopefully I'll be able to get some more. Like I said, hopefully I'll be able to find the Ravens one, because I really think they may be the uh, the best opportunity being so close to the NFB uh, in the area that they're at. Uh, but yeah, you can fi- you can read my articles at fantasyhotread.com as well as rotoballer.com. I actually just started writing articles for expandtheboxscore.com as well, so you can uh, read my articles there. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Envision, that's E-N-V-I-S-I-O-N-F-F. All right, guys, thank you. Uh, Thank you for coming on tonight. Uh, We really appreciate having you both on. And uh, listeners out there, go go check these two great guys out. Uh, Follow them, donate to some charity. Uh, Go donate some time to the charity. Uh, that's, That's just as important. So thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Bryce. All right, guys, we're back from the interview. That was a that that was a really good time with Bryce and Dom. And thank you. Uh, I want to thank them again for being on the show. It seems like uh, in this in this show, we're we're just literally thanking everybody. I feel very Canadian uh, during this this part of the show, during the opening of the show. You know, it's just like just thank everybody, man. And I, and I think that I stems from like I, go I ahead, George. I, I was just gonna say I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I don't a boot, a boot. We're we're officially Canadian, yeah. I, you know, I think 
I think part of this is just doing the show. You know, we we uh, we definitely don't do as many as we used to. I don't come and hang out at your house and do them anymore. And um, well, that's, like, there's this thing going around, Jason. It's um, called COVID, and and it's really recommended that social distancing rules and practices stay in place. Has anyone has so uh, this is a huge deal? Has anyone told the president? Do you think you think he knows by now? Uh, I think so. He's he's yeah. probably he's probably known for a while. He's probably known. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to take it down that road. Listen, uh, yeah, man, it is so nice to have an outlet like this. Like, I, I, you probably can't hear it in my voice, um, but like, I'm literally grinning from ear to ear just doing the show tonight. Um, I, it's, it's one thing to do Sleeper Wire, which I love doing. I love doing fantasy football stuff, but it's another thing just to like have conversations with really nice people. Uh, people with like information that that um, can help other people with like with uh, with with stories that can help people and so, and life experience different life experiences. These, um, you know, I I really like doing break from the grind, especially so if people my, listen. My goal with these shows, honestly, is to invite guests on to where not only do I learn something, but our tens and tens and tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of listeners also learn something. And, and if you didn't learn anything from, from Bryce and Dom, like go back and listen again. You know what it could be? It could what? be that Dom's listening and he didn't learn anything cause he already knew. Well, he was on the show though. So I, I mean, he's, think, he, he already learned it while he was on the show. Well, he, okay. I guess you're right. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Listen, 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 listen. I think when we do these shows, uh, like it makes me want to be a better person and um, and hopefully we get that out of our audience too. Like they sure. listen to it and, and, and want to be better people. I, I look at it like this. There, there's so much going on in the world today that why contribute to it? Right? Like, like there's so much animosity for, for people in general over stupid stuff. Yeah. I want to know what's going on in that's, the world today. Like, that's like, a really good point. Like, I want to know like, when it became okay to be a douche to everybody. Like, what? Yeah, why contribute? Like, you don't have to be a douche. Like, anybody who knows me and Jason, and I, I might go on a small rant here. I'm not sure how long this is going to go, but me and Jason are polar opposites on the political spectrum. Okay, I mean, 100% polar opposites. It, it's not something that is unknown to anybody who knows us. It, it's not unknown to each other. Like, we're not surprised by this. Uh, we, we have different philosophies and different uh, interpretations of things. We think differently and whatnot. But you know what? Like, Jason's one of my best friends. And 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 I don't think I treat him like a douche. I don't think he treats me like a douche. Like, why can't you just disagree with somebody and not be a douche about it? What What's so difficult about that? Why, why, why do you have to demean somebody or try to belittle them or talk down to them just because they think different than you. Like, when did that become an acceptable practice? It shouldn't be. And at the end of the day, we should all be able, at, at least, to be able to agree to disagree and, and really not lose respect for another person as a human just because we differ, disagree with them on, on, on a particular topic, topic or a particular subject. Like, you know... Like I said, me and Jason, complete polar opposites. 
He didn't go out and rob a store. He's not a child molester. Like, why would I hold animosity towards him just because we disagree on something? I mean, whoa, that's like that that went up to 11. Yeah, but it doesn't make you a bad person is what I'm saying. Like, you didn't do something that would that would make anybody consider you or me a bad person. So when did it become acceptable to to just think and say to people that they are when 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 they're not? I don't know. It just it, it blows my mind sometimes. I can tell you what gets me and, you know, agree or disagree with mask mandates, agree or disagree with companies requiring them. I get it. You know, everybody has their own point of view. I have my own point of view on it. I'd rather see people wear it. I think it's probably safer for everybody. And at worst, it's inconvenient, right? But, you know, coming from the retail world, the retail side of the world, like when a, when a, when a cashier or somebody charged with standing at a door and making sure you're wearing a mask, like asks you to put a mask on one, know that it's not that person's policy. It's the store's policy. They're just being asked to ask you to do what the store has asked of all of us. Right. Don't be a jerk to that person. You know, it's not like retail jobs were incredible before all this started, Imagine having to do that job now, A, in a mask on their own, and B, with a public that's already angry for a number of different, like, good and not, like, valid and not valid reasons all at the same time, right? You know, I understand that you're frustrated, and maybe you didn't even bring a mask, so maybe you can't come in the store and that gets you angry, but don't take it out on the guy sitting at the door, because, look, it's not, A, it's not his policy and B, his life's already tough enough. He's sitting at the door pissing people off all day for something that he has no control over. Like, t- try and be empathetic to the people there, right? Because it's like, everybody says it's it's a cliche, but we're all in this together. But it's true. Like, we all are trying to make it through this the way, the best way that we all know how. And man, just don't make somebody's day that much worse. Like, don't throw a fit. Like, let's be adults. Can, can I use a better cliche than we're sure. all in this together? Absolutely. Don't be a dick. That's a good one. That's that, a good that's, one. That's the cliche I want to use. Don't be a dick. The other thing I've noticed, and this is a little more controversial for me to say, I mean, I don't know if it's controversial even, but like somebody that I know as a really, really good person, a very uh, Christian man, somebody that's been in my life a good long time, um, went on went on Facebook and like celebrated shopping at a place that doesn't require face masks. For and the record, that was not me. No, absolutely not. <laughs> you. Not you. And I, I want, I wanted to clar- clarify that right away. <laughs> and I'm going to say I've, I've, I've tried to not get on Facebook and have arguments with people. I found that you're not changing people's opinions. It, it's very rare. Um, so I'm trying to dial that back a good the, bit. The, the first time somebody's opinion changes on Facebook. Will be the first time. The, the, yeah, the exactly. Next time, the next the time, next time is the first time. time. Yes. So I, I didn't, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't post anything about it. I just kind of let it slide, but I do, I am interested in the comments and generally it was relatively, um, it, it, you know, it was cordial. The one that struck me was again, somebody that worked at, a grocery store actually worked at that grocery store calling him out and saying like, I get, I get not wanting to wear a face mask. I understand it, but you know, we're all being told that 
we have to wear face masks for other people because face masks don't necessarily protect you from other people. It protects other people from you. You know, what you cough out gets blocked by the face mask, right? And so, you know, this person's um, opinion was, listen, I have to wear this thing my eight hours and I have to wear it in the break room as long as I'm not eating and drinking. So I'm wearing this eight and a half hours every day to keep the public safe. It's frustrating for people to celebrate not having to keep the people that have to be out working in this safe. And I, and that just struck me as, as odd. And, 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 you know, I didn't even think of it from that point of view. Like I always wear it just because like, I think it's probably a good idea to wear it. So I wear one. Um, but like, you know, you've got all these people out essential, we call them essential workers. And really, I think, I think essential is just the new way of like, what is it that I heard? It's, it's essential is just the new word for disposable. So like it, it's, you know, you've got all these essential workers out there risking themselves every day wearing a mask. So it's hard for me to see people celebrating, not wearing a mask and putting them in danger. And, and that that just struck me. And, and, and again, it's not so much, I, I understand if you don't like wearing them, I understand if you think it's, it's, it's a freedom issue and you don't want to wear it. It just strikes me as odd of, uh, of a thing to celebrate. Yeah. I mean, you know me, like I, I mentioned earlier, typically you and I will are polar opposites on things, but like with these masks, like that's the one area we, we, we agree with. Um, you know, I don't go anywhere without a mask. Uh, you came over to my house the other day to, to drop some stuff off. I greeted you wearing a mask. Like it, it wasn't, you know, because I knew you were coming over and I knew you would appreciate it. It's just, that's how I, I am. If I'm going out in public, I'm wearing a mask. It, I bought a really cool, badass mask. It's got an American flag. It's got the Marine Corps emblem on it. I mean, it's a, it's a badass mask. So I'm going to wear it. I, it. If, if you're that hard up about wearing a mask, Find one that looks really badass and just wear that. It's just a weird, and you know, I get the medical, like medical exemptions, but man, it's like, uh, yeah, it's but just those like, are f- those are so few and far between. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's the same thing as like people bringing their parrot on as like, uh, you know, their an emotional their, support their, parrot, their, their service animal on a plane, you know, it's yeah. just like. So anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that. I just, I, I guess spun, I just want to. We, we, we spun way, 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 way out of the off topic. On, listen, on I this. haven't had, a, I haven't had a platform like this in a while. So I'm just speaking my mind. I know. A no, I, it's been here. I, listen, and that's what we've done with the show. So if you remember where we first started, like when we first started break from the grind, we were, we were doing pickums for the NFL. Oh yeah, that was a, that was that amazing. was so it was so bad. It was so good. They were so was go back so so go back terrible. and listen to that. Go back and listen to that first show. It was so good. Oh, it was you know it was, was so bad. You know what? You know there was a there was just a small amount. You know when we were we were at our peak is when we were making jokes, right? Yep. And I think that's kind of what we spawned into. And then you know through the show we we talk about our lives. We talk about the stuff we're going through. We talk about um you know challenges we have we talk about just basically life right and yep and then that's how it spawns into me ranting for way too long about people wearing masks it just uh like i haven't been able to get that off my chest and i felt like here i'm unloading i so what it boils down to me and and i think it's a theme of the show is just like be decent don't you know, be just, a dick just, just right right just don't be a dick like that's it's not that hard like it's 
really not that hard to go through life not being a dick. Yep. That's it. Uh, I mean, that's what it if you could If you could do something to, to help somebody else out, uh, it, it, it doesn't have to be monetarily. It, it doesn't have to be a whole lot of time. Like, that person that you mentioned whose job, literally it's their job to stand there at the front of the store counting people as they come in so they know that they're under the, the, the number that's required, the capacity percentage and whatnot. And, and, and just say thank you. Like, I'm willing to bet, and I'm going to do that the next time I, 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 I go into one of these stores where they have somebody at the front whose job is to make sure that everybody has a mask. Like, I'm going to thank them for, for doing that job because I guarantee you they don't get thanked very often at all. I, I, I guarantee you they get the exact opposite. Yeah, and I, I through this, I made a habit of thanking people when they were open. It's something, you know, I'm going to, and it goes back to my retail experience, and, and we're going to close out the show here in a minute just because uh, we're running long. But um, it's something, you know, I'll never forget uh, when I worked at a, a local grocery store. I mean, they're national, they're not national, but they're in several states. I'm just going to say Publix. It's when Publix, I at Publix, Jason. I'm just going to say, Paul, I don't have to say the factory. When I worked at Publix, um, I always lived really close to the store I worked at. And it was, it was real easy for me to, to, if I had to, if my car was broke down, I could walk to work, you know? So after a hurricane had come through, uh, I got a call to come in and power was down and a lot of people couldn't make it because the, the, you know, the island I live on, the bridges were closed still. But they were looking for people to come in, and I came in, you know, within a couple of hours of the storm being gone and daylight coming. Like I came in to help, you know, restock the store and, and get it ready for people and have people come in. And I, the thing I remember most vividly is how people who who were without power knew they'd be without power for weeks and had. Uh, you know, some of them had damage to their home, didn't know, uh, didn't know what they were going to do to fix it, had to wait for new roofs. And, you know, they completely, the, the one thing that they did over and over and over was thanked us for being open. Like we were the one store that was open. And, you know, in a, in a time where there were a whole bunch of doubt and they didn't know what they were going to do, they could come to the store. One, we had generators, so we had air conditioning so they could walk around in some cold air. But they could get some food that wouldn't go bad. They could get some supplies, and we were open. And that's the thing that stuck with me for all this time. Like, it, it's been, you know, we're talking, I'm old now, so we're talking 12, 13, 14 years. Wow, I'm even older, so like 16, 17, 18 years. Anyway, uh, that's the one thing that stuck with me. So through this, repeatedly, when I walk to cashiers, when I, you know, thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for being open. Thank you. Uh, for not being afraid out here when, uh, you know, even before everybody put up those plastic shields, like it's just tough for people. And so be kind, thank people and don't be a dick. I, I, I couldn't have said it better. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. I like it. All right. If, if it wasn't for the fact that we had Bryce and Dom on this, this, uh, episode would be, don't be a dick. Yes. Yeah. But I can't do that. No, so, you can't. <laughs> I can't. Anyway, so uh, with that said, I'm uh, you can find me at BFTG Jason on Twitter. You can follow the show at BFTGpodcast.com. You can I want you to go check out Sleeper Wire and uh, and and check out all their fine fantasy football content. And uh, George, where where can they find you? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BFTGPod. I'm on the Sleeper app at BFTGEO. Uh, you can also, like Jason previously mentioned, you can find our fantasy football content over at SleeperWire and the SleeperWire Network. Uh, go subscribe, download, give us a review over there for our fantasy football content. Uh, give us a five-star rating if you feel like we deserve it. If you feel like we deserve a three-star rating, don't bother rating. Just give us the five. Give us five. Yeah. All right. And with all that said, thank you for taking a break from your daily grind. Don't be a dick. <laughs>